Welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Now, our guest today, if you don't know who he is, you're not in financial services. And also, you haven't been to any conferences because, Rick, I see your booth everywhere. All of the conferences that I go to, either you're there or you've got a team there. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first off, Rick Edelman, welcome to the show. Matt, great to be with you. All right, man. So you know that our podcast is called the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast, and it's really about accelerating advisors' influence. And I definitely want to talk about what you're doing now, but I want to kind of rewind the clock just a little bit and go back to you building your financial services firm and your rise to becoming a personality and somebody that like everybody knew. Can you give us a just like a little brief history on maybe some of the good steps that you made. I don't want to talk about the mistakes. I want to talk about the things that you said, oh man, I did that right. And it yielded this. I'm glad we're talking about what I did right, because there's a much longer list of what I did wrong. And that's part of the journey, isn't it? You learn so much more from your failures. The key is just to keep on trying. What it comes down to is that I recognized early on, really out of necessity, that I had no choice but to make sure that people knew who I was because I was 28 years old. My wife and I started our financial planning practice very young in a town where neither of us grew up, neither of us went to college, neither of us had any family or friends. We were living in that town for a couple of years outside the DC market and nobody knew us. We had no social network, uh, of course, the days before the internet. And so how do I persuade people literally twice my age who've never heard of me to be willing to give me all their life savings. So that old adage, it's not what you know, but who you know, that old adage is dead wrong. It's not, that's not it at all. It's not what you know, it's who knows you. And so what I began to realize is that I needed to get myself in front of people in a way that allowed me to convey my knowledge and credibility, to give them the confidence that I knew what I was talking about, even though I was a young 28 years old. And the way to do that, I knew, was through mass media, because that's my degree. My degree is in communications, marketing, advertising, journalism, public relations. And you know, I never went to business school, which in hindsight was a tremendous value add because I wasn't brainwashed by all of those folks. And in journalism and communication school, they teach you two things. Number one, how to ask smart questions and how to explain the answers in plain English that will captivate an audience. People tend to not realize that the New York Times is written at the sixth grade level. And so you need to keep it very basic, very clear, very easy to comprehend. And that's been something I've always been really good at, thanks in part to my training at Rowan University. And so I realized that mass media was the way to go, to be a broadcaster. And we began by doing seminars. This is back in the era when nobody was doing seminars. I was one of the pioneers in that field. And we were doing particularly college planning seminars for elementary school PTA groups, teaching parents of young children why they needed to save for college. Today, that's obvious. Every parent in the world knows why that's important. Back in the 1980s, 
that was unheard of. And so we kind of made our mark in the DC marketplace by doing this. We ended up doing these seminars for pretty much every school in, in the entire metro area. That got the attention of WMAL Radio, which was my goal, was to get invited to be interviewed. And that interview went so well, they kept inviting me back, inviting me back, and eventually offered me my own show. And I ended up hosting radio for 32 years, became the longest running national radio show in the country. I was named one of the top 100 most important radio talk show hosts. And that led to television, that led to my writing books, and that led and led and led, ultimately being on everywhere from CNBC, CNN, CBS to Oprah. You need to have something to say. You need to have a platform on which to say it. And you need to be able to communicate effectively for the audience that you're talking to, which may vary from time to time. I talk differently in front of advisors than I do to consumers or 18-year-olds watching Oprah. It really does matter where you are, who you are in front of to guide your message so it makes sense to the audience. But that's basically the key is to communicate effectively. When did you, so we have something called the influence continuum, moving people from skeptics to fans, and you have fans and have had fans for years. And there's a kind of a, a cusp that we talk about, which is achieving escape velocity, which is when all of the other things cascaded, right? Step number one was the seminars. And then all of a sudden you got on the radio, then you had a radio show. When do you feel through that process and how long did that process take for you to feel like you really achieved escape velocity where everything was just firing on all cylinders and all of your marketing was working together? Oh, it was instantaneous. If you're good at your message, the platform is what matters. And it's different environment today in social media. There are now, let me back up there. When I did radio, I was probably the first financial planner to host a radio show. Prior to me, there was Louis Rukeyser and Money Magazine. There were people like Bob Brinker and a couple of others, but they were stock jockeys. They weren't financial planners talking about all the subjects we talk about. And I realized very early on that I was talking about subjects that really spoke to the soul of the audience. People who didn't really care about what happened in the market today, but they're desperately concerned about getting their kids into college or caring for aging parents. And that is the message that I focused on. The message was really important, but was even greater importance was the platform. In other words, I didn't have to build an audience by going on the number one radio station in the Washington, D.C. market. They handed me the audience. All I had to do was my job. And they did the hard part, which was attracting the audience. You fast forward to today and the world of podcasting, there are 5 million podcasts. Anybody can do it, and millions are. And the problem is that you have to build your own audience. Apple Podcasts and Spotify and YouTube, they're not going to deliver the audience for you. They'll deliver you the access to the audience, but you're going to have to build the audience yourself, which means you now have to develop a skill I never had to develop, which was audience creation. I had to focus on audience retention, which is very different than audience creation. And so it's much more challenging today to build that audience, which is why most folks fail. They have really nobody listening to them because they aren't saying anything unique. They aren't saying it in an effective way, and they aren't promoting the fact that they're doing both of the above in a good way. And so advisors need to recognize that the skills you have, the knowledge you have that makes you a good advisor have nothing to do with the skills you need to be a good broadcaster or podcaster. It's a totally different skill set. Most don't have any training or experience in that field. 
one of the most valuable uh, pieces of training I ever got in financial services was PR training. And that was a huge leap forward for me in how to communicate more effectively, not only with clients and prospects, but also with the press. But I love what you just said there. So one of our sayings here is, you know, stop being the marketer you're not and start focusing on using your expertise to really build that audience. And that's what our system does for advisors. It makes a lot of sense. Total sense, Matt. And in fact, I, people used to ask me about my marketing strategy. And I, my attitude was, I'm not a marketer. I have never engaged in marketing in my entire 37 career. I'm an educator. And I impart financial education. And I do it for free. And I use the mass media to disseminate my content. And if somebody hearing or being exposed to that is intrigued by it and decides that they want to reach out to me, then wonderful. I'll make it easy for you to do that by letting you know my phone number, my website, and my mailing address. But I don't really consider myself a marketer. And that's the difference. Many people are spending all their time selling their, themselves and selling their product. And that comes off as a salesman. You come off as a you know a, an infomercial pitch man. And that's a turnoff. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be sold to. People want to buy from you. Now, you also said something vitally important for me to remind our audience of. It's called the perfect podcast formula. It's storytelling, education, entertainment, call to action, right? And the call to action is always at the end because you don't want to come across as a shill. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you for giving us the history of your journey. And then a whole bunch of stuff changed, right? <laughs> like you decided to drop the mic there. Did you actually take any time off, dude? Because like I heard that you had sold and then all of a sudden I saw this digital assets council for financial professionals. I mean, I saw this, all this other stuff. Did you, did you take a break at all? Or were you just like, not this, is my next thing? No, actually, there was a bit of an overlap. So my departure from Edelman Financial was a long time coming. My private equity partners and I agreed back in 2016 that I would exit the business. And so we gave it a very long glide path because we wanted to minimize disruption to the company and to our clients and the advisors and staff. And so while that was happening in 2016, I was simultaneously getting very deep into crypto. I had been first exposed to Bitcoin back in 2012, so I was very early in crypto. And I realized pretty early that while crypto is a massively disruptive and hugely innovative technology that is going to impact commerce on a global scale, the vast majority of the financial services industry isn't aware of that fact, and most advisors don't know it. So I created DACFP as an educational organization to teach advisors about crypto so they can figure out how to communicate with their clients about it, how to provide advice about it, whether or not to include it in portfolios, et cetera. And so as I was building DACFP on the side, I was still running my radio show and TV activities and still writing books. And I wrote one in 2017, The Truth About Your Future. I wrote The Truth About Crypto last year. I'm doing all of this activity while I'm gliding out of Edelman Financial. So by the time I left at the end of 21, DACFP was full blown. We've got 20 some staff in that company. Uh, we're the premier crypto education company in, endorsed by the Money Management Institute, the Investment Advisors Association, FPA, CFP Board, XY Planning, NAPFA. Uh, we're the official crypto education partner for both Schwab and Fidelity and a number of other companies. And so we spend a lot of time educating advisors about crypto because crypto is booming and most are oblivious. And we're in fact outright negative about it. So we're pretty much the only resource for crypto education culminating in our certificate 
in blockchain and digital assets, our online self-study course with a world-class faculty. And so that's what we're really spending our time on. In addition to my media company, which, you know, I transitioned my radio show to podcasting now. Uh, we're still doing webinars and writing books and newsletters and blogs. I also have my family office where I handle all my personal uh, investment activity. And uh, I own a couple of other companies in Alzheimer's research and other activities. And so we, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it's simply the next chapter of my life. And one of the things I teach advisors is how to help your clients in their next chapter. When your clients hit their 60s, what's next? In the old days, what next was the cemetery? Today, your clients are going to be alive 30 or 40 years after they quit their career. What's next? How do they reinvent themselves? That's something I teach people about. Well, there's lots of different directions we can go with that. But the, I want to start with where you just left off. You have helped educate millions of people, not just the general public, but also advisors. And I'm sure you get asked this question all the time, and I'm, I'm going to apologize for that ahead of time. But if you could just tell advisors and like grab them by the shoulders and shake them back and forth and say, you need to pay attention to this, what would that be? Longevity in a word, because that leads to everything else. And I do a full-blown seminar series on this subject, and I've got a masterclass on my website that, that talks about this. But basically, we are undergoing a transformational shift, a demographic evolution that is unprecedented in human history. Humans have been around for thousands of years, but people don't realize what's happening. In addition to my work on crypto, I've been very much immersed in the longevity field. I've been on the advisory boards at the Stanford Center on Longevity, the Milken Institute for the Center for the Study of Aging. Uh, I work with MIT's Age Lab with Ken Dykewald and AgeWave. And basically, what it comes down to is that for the first time in human history, we are all living unprecedented lifelines. People don't realize that in 1900, life expectancy was 47 that the average age of the colonists during the American Revolution was 23. The fact that we're all living into our 70s and 80s is unprecedented. And what the scientists are telling us, because of advances in medical technology, nanotech, biotech, bioinformatics, neuroscience, uh, because of these innovations, if you're alive in 2030, odds are very good you'll live to age 100 or beyond. The overwhelming majority of financial advisors do not understand this, and they are running financial planning projections for their clients that assume an age 90 or 95 life expectancy. And their financial plan looks great. But if you change it to age 100, that plan will blow up, and you are positioning your client to be in poverty before they die. Planners don't realize this because they don't understand what's happening in the world of demography. Actuarial science has not caught up to this. If you look at the actuarial tables from the IRS, from annuity carriers and insurance companies, they don't project people living to age 100 and 110 and 120, which is what's going to happen. So the social security system was never designed for this. The pension system in our nation was never designed for this. We are experiencing a radical transformation that society overall isn't prepared for, including the fact that when your client is 65, they are as healthy as their parents were at 35. What are you going to do when you have nothing to do? Gardening and golf, those are going to get pretty boring after a while. 
You need to have something that will keep you mentally stimulated, emotionally fulfilled, contributing to society that is also financially rewarding because you're not going to have enough money from your savings to, to support yourself. So longevity in a world is what it all comes down to. It means we need to rethink not just the financial planning projections map, but we also need to reevaluate the 60-40 portfolio. We need to have more inequities than we traditionally are holding, and we need to hold on to those equities longer than most are, meaning the glide path that we are using is cutting the equity exposure too quickly because it was designed for somebody living to 85 or 90. You need to extend it. You need to go to a 70-30 or 80-20, and you need to do it longer than you realized. Otherwise, you're setting your client up for financial failure when they discover they're living in their 90s and 100s. You just opened up a can of worms I've got to jump into very quickly, which is the, the healthcare component of this, right? And so not only do we have to make sure that they have the assets to live to 100, but where they are spending their money is fundamentally going to shift. Do you help educate on that too? Yeah, so that's a very key part of it is healthcare expenses because we know that 70% of all healthcare expenses are incurred by the older population. It's a double crisis because not only are you personally going to spend more on healthcare as you age, society as a whole is as well. And the classic pyramid that we used to have demography is changing. You know, we used to have a ton of young people and very few old people at the top of that pyramid. It was a classic pyramid structure. That pyramid is becoming a box where we now have as many old people as we have young people. In Japan, they sell more adult diapers than baby diapers. And people wear adult diapers longer than they wear baby diapers. And this is putting a huge set of pressure on our entire social systems. We don't have enough long-term care facilities. We don't have enough caregivers. Medicare and Medicaid were never designed to pay so much in benefits to so many people for so long. Social security was never designed to pay benefits to people for 30 years. It was meant to pay benefits for three years. And so the social security system is collapsing. We've got a $2 trillion pension shortfall in public pension plans, partly because we're not having enough workers to pay into the system. They're not earning enough return in that system. And they're paying out benefits to retirees for too long in that system. These are fundamental shifts that are going on. And we need to recognize it and have an alteration in the financial planning strategies that advisors are recommending to their clients. Well, my wife and I were just chatting about my generation retiring, which Gen X retirement is death pretty much, I think. But uh, we were joking about how there are all these malls that are out there still and that we just need to turn all of these malls into retirement homes because everything's there. There's food courts, there's inside, there are already mall walkers are already there, but that's my billion dollar idea. It's not just that, but even universities are struggling with this. Over the next 10 years, half of the nation's universities are going to close because they don't have sustainable business models. They don't have, there aren't enough students because there haven't been enough babies to send to college, especially considering the cost of college. So what are universities doing? They're rejiggering their curriculum for the over 65 crowd. The University of Arizona just opened a dormitory for people 55 and above. So we are looking not at the reinvention of the entire social system. 
Malls are going to be converted into over 55 communities. University campuses are going to be converted. Entire cities and urban areas are going to be converted. And all of this having to do relatedly with the technological implication as we go to self-driving vehicles, as we go to artificial intelligence and robotics, huge implications for employment, for career and housing, urban areas as a result of COVID with nobody wanting to go to offices anymore. All of this is fundamentally shifting and changing in a permanent new way. And most advisors are looking at life through the rear view mirror. They're looking at how they became successful over the last 20 years. They don't realize that those strategies will not work over the next 20 years. And you need to reinvent your practice if you hope to remain viable yeah. in this industry. One of the things that we say a lot is... Uh you got to stop marketing like it's the 1900s. And, and that's exactly where a lot of advisors are. And advisors seem to be so resistant to change. And Rick, everything that you're saying is like, eh, things are changing. Come on, everybody. I want everybody to know that you need to hit rewind because he just gave you every podcast topic that you need for a whole year's worth of content within that like five minutes there. Seriously, just go back and hit rewind and start writing down all of those topics. And then find people that you can interview, which he gave you a list of people and organizations that you can interview to help supplement. So you don't have to be the expert. You are not the expert. Rick's not the expert. He hangs out with other experts and he talks to them so that he can understand it even better. Okay, so let's just very quickly as we wrap up today's show, let's talk a little bit about DACFP. You've got a book, you've got all of the certification. There are still a lot of advisors, and I've heard them say this because your booth, by the way, it was right down from our booth at Ascent. And uh, people would walk by and they would just like, I saw them, they're like shaking their heads. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? Do you think Rick Edelman would have done all of this stuff if it wasn't something that was vitally important? What do you need to say to our audience to, to literally slap them around a little bit and make them realize that Digital currency, digital assets are here to stay, and it's something they've got to pay attention to. Yeah, it's really fascinating to me, Matt, how emotional this subject is. Oh. People have such strong viewpoints about crypto, and I'm like, it's just another asset class. What's the big deal? I mean, why do you think liking it has any relevance? If you believe in portfolio diversification, you already own assets in your client portfolios that you hate. You do it because that's what portfolio diversification is. Liking it, in fact, even sometimes understanding it, has nothing to do with it. You do it because that's what modern portfolio theory is, the efficient frontier. We get it. This is what we do as, as advisors in portfolio management. So we do need to recognize that this is a new and innovative emerging technology that is disrupting the world of money. Bitcoin, at the end of the day, is simply software. That's all it is. It's a payments technology. It's the newest. Along came credit cards and debit cards, and then PayPal and Zelle and Venmo. They're just payment technologies. They allow you to move money quickly and easily using the internet. Bitcoin is the latest type of payments technology, and it's superior to all of the others. It's faster, it's safer, it's cheaper. It allows for greater inclusion and transparency. And this is why industries around the world are grabbing on to blockchain technology because it allows them to operate their businesses better than ever. This is Internet 3.0. 
And this is transformative for society. And this is why every central bank in the world is developing the technology to launch their own version of digital currency. Our Fed's going to do it by the end of the decade. It's projected by the end of this decade, every bank will have its own digital dollar, digital yen, digital euro, etc. China's already got one. Sweden's launching theirs next year. Nigeria's got one. The Bahamas has one. It's going on and on and on. Uh, so you can't ignore it anymore. Liking it has nothing to do with it. And here's what's interesting. The people who tend to hate it are the people who tend to know the least about it. So we simply teach people what this is. What is Bitcoin? What is blockchain? What is Ethereum? What are NFTs? What's the metaverse? How does this work? Why does it matter? What does it mean for clients and their careers and their portfolios? Well, how do you deal with crypto regulation, taxation, and compliance? All we do is teach people what this stuff is. I'm not recommending you buy it. I'm not telling you to hold it. I'm simply telling you that you have clients who already own it. 22% of US adults already own Bitcoin. That means one out of five of your clients, and I'm willing to bet the number is even higher than that. You don't know they own it. They don't want to tell you, just like you've got teenagers drinking beer. They don't want you to know, but they're doing it. And so you need to be able to help your client with crypto taxation and record keeping because they're lousy at it, just like they are with stocks and ETFs. So it's just a matter of education. And once you get that education, you'll discover that you can increase the quality of the services you provide to your clients. That'll help you win clients, win referrals, capture more assets under management, build your business. And isn't that what it's all about? That's what it's all about. All right. My favorite question is this. What should I have asked you that I didn't? What would I have done different in the right. operation of my business over the past 40 years? Take it away. I think I was too slow in hindsight in many of the growth strategies I engaged in. Uh, I wish that I had moved faster than I did, which some people find that answer kind of startling because I was the fastest growing RIA in the industry and built the largest still in the industry with 300 billion in assets and 1.4 million clients. But I feel that I moved too slowly in hindsight. So I would encourage all advisors, move faster. All right. I'm sure that there's going to be people who want to reach out to you. What is the best way to find out about DACFP, about everything that you're offering? Where should they go? Go to DACFP.com, D-A-C-F-P.com. You can also listen to my daily podcast, The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman, which you can access at DACFP.com. You can also access it wherever you get your podcasts. And it's a short five, 10 minute podcast every day, Friday's long form. But uh, it's a quick, easy take on what matters today for advisors, longevity, retirement security, exponential technologies, blockchain and Bitcoin and crypto, and most importantly, health and wellness. These are the areas we are of greatest impact to our clients. And I teach advisors all about this every day in a short daily podcast. Dude, thank you. That was so much fun. I learned so much. I know our audience is going to absolutely love it. Guys, content out the wazoo here. You are always asking me, you know, Matt, what am I going to talk about on my show? What am I going to talk about from a content perspective? Rick just gave you freaking gold for the last 27 minutes. Rick Edelman, thank you very much for being on the show. My pleasure, Matt. All right, everybody. Just very quickly, if you want to learn how do you can accelerate your influence, the Pod Rocket Academy is free. Go ahead and join. Rick just said he wish he did it faster. 
We are influence accelerators. That's all we do all day long. And we can help you get to where you want to go faster because it's all about what you say, where you say it, how you say it, and most importantly, making sure that you are unapologetically yourself because that's actually what people want. They want you. They don't want to know what you know until they know that you care. So for Rick and all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Haller, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to know more about how you can be your own loud, visit us at proudmouth.com and sign up for the Pod Rocket Academy. Through courses and office hours led by professional podcast producers and digital marketers, you will learn everything you need to know to become the trusted subject matter expert you are meant to be.